Father, just help each one, each one of us right now for that to be our prayer, not just to um, run to you again, but again and again and again. God, it's easy, it's easy to say right now. Uh, it's harder to put into practice. Um, our pride gets in the way. Um, we get distracted. Uh, we think things are going pretty well. I can handle this on my own. And we lose sight. We get off track. God, help us to, again, continually just turn our eyes, turn our eyes back to you um, so we can run in your direction. Lord, thank you again for each one here. Thank you for uh, the teaching, the truth that you have from your word for us today. Um, bless Pastor Michael as he's prepared and as he shares today the word. And Lord, again, help us to uh, be awake today, be ready to receive what you have for us so that we can take it and then put your truth, your words into action. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Check one, two, there we are, okay. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. My name is Michael. I'm the pastor here, so uh, we're glad you're here if you're in person uh, or if you're online. Maybe you're watching later. Uh, We are glad to have all of you here. And so uh, this morning, it's going to be a little warm, right? I don't know if you checked the weather. It's a little different. And I just want to thank um, the band. Every once in a while, I get a chance to uh, play with them and and drums is just by far one of my uh, favorite things to do. I um, started playing as a little kid, and just all these years later, I still love it. So I um, love to get to lead worship with those guys who do an amazing job. And so before we get into the message, I just wanted to give you a special announcement. You may have seen it over uh, email uh, or uh, somewhere else. Maybe you talk with somebody about it. Uh, but the deacon board has been uh, praying really over the last several months and, and just asking God to put some things in place uh, where we could... Uh, have a ministry intern. And so we've been praying about that, talking to some candidates, and uh, we came across uh, really a, a couple of candidates, so uh, one young man and one young lady, uh, to serve in our youth and children's area. And so as we prayed about that and, and talked with them, uh, we really felt led in this direction to give you an opportunity um, to visit with them. And so some more things will come uh, later on. We'll have some more discussion and uh, give you guys the opportunity to give some feedback. But this Wednesday, uh, there's going to be a meet and greet time. So if you are available and you would like to come, uh, we're going to be putting out some more information from them as well. Uh, but if you'd like to come in person, it'll be down in our fellowship area, downstairs from 7.30 to 9 p.m. this coming Wednesday, okay? Uh, so I wanted to make sure that I put that out there. Uh, it's David Parker, it's the young man, and Rachel Barkman. So uh, be thinking about them and uh, be praying for them and us as we, we think about that and what that would look like uh, for our church, bringing on a, a couple of young people um, just to help us in a couple of different areas. So I'm excited about that. I know we've been, uh, Deacon Board's been praying about this for a little while now, um, and it seems like God has orchestrated um, those pieces into place far better than we could, okay? So let's just be thinking about that and uh, be praying about that. And this Wednesday, you have an opportunity to come and meet them, okay? So today, uh, we're in our series, New Life. We're coming to the end of the series in the book of Psalms. And can you believe we've, by the time we get done with this, we will have only covered about 22, 23 of the Psalms. And uh, that's only just a tiny chunk uh, you can imagine what it would take to go through all the Psalms. Maybe we'll come back another time, but we're going to end here pretty soon. And today we'll be in Psalm chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. It's a 
well-known psalm. And the t- title of today's message is Living Creation, Living Creation. And so in Psalm 19, there's really two parts. There's the creation and the law, and they are tied together through God's Word. So um, what's the active thing that takes place at the beginning of creation? We see it all throughout the Bible. God speaks, and He creates, okay? And then what does God do in the Old Testament as He brings us close to Him and He helps us understand His perfect will and His perfect law? He, he speaks the law. And what does God do when he reconciles man to himself in the New Testament? Well, he sends Jesus, the physical manifestation of God in the flesh, the Son, to pay for our sins on the cross. And so this is a really cool psalm. If you look at it, it kind of ties all of history and God's plan together. Uh, but we will start at the beginning in verse 1. And, and as you think about this, um, think about this phrase, how God speaks to everyone. There is a way in which God does speak to us because we have the Holy Spirit. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we know that we have that, and he he speaks to us all the time in many different ways. But there's a way that God speaks to all of man, all of creation, and we're going to look at that this morning, so how God speaks to everyone. So God speaks in a lot of different ways. He speaks to uh, us. Um, a lot of times I used to think like God, he, you know, he does speak through the word. He speaks through my prayer time with him. But, but what about other places or other times or other people? Does God use things outside of the Bible and outside of just our you know, devoted prayer time to speak to us? Yeah, he does all the time. And so um, I want to remind us just, especially as a church that's been here, we'll celebrate in a couple of weeks, uh, a church that's been here for 201 years. That's a long time right? And so you know as a church that old, gone through some changes and difficulties and struggles, but the church, God continues to use us, and he allows us to serve and to speak to a world that needs to hear the message of the gospel. I think about all the, just the different things from the time that the church started to now. Um, You can imagine all the things that could have derailed God's communication through his church to this area, to this community. Uh, I think about the church burning down, um, that, that took place, and the church was rebuilt. God continued to speak through that. What about a church that has been in existence through civil war of a nation? Well, the church has been around during that too and still stands. And what about a church that's been through COVID? Well, a lot of churches can say they've been through COVID because most of them have, but not a lot of churches can say they've been through some of the things that this church has. And so while none of us were around at the creation of this church as an entity in this community, uh, we're here now and we're asking ourselves the question, how is God continuing to speak to us, through us, and to this community, and to the world around us? He most definitely uses us as a part of it. And so uh, maybe you've been listening to this series uh, or you just kind of jumped in on a couple of messages and you're like, I'm really not sure what the book of Psalms is about. It kind of seems like a song book. Well, you'd be right. There's some songs, there's some poetry, there's some stories about people's lives and how they followed God, primarily David, who wrote over half of the Psalms. Uh, he writes a lot of those things, songs and poems, and, uh, but he writes them all from the perspective of how God walked him through the good times and the bad times. So if we, we kind of ask that question, why do we have the book of Psalms? Well, we have it because God wanted us to understand what it would look like to live a godly life, to follow God faithfully, no matter what season was going on the good times or the bad times. And I love this psalm. It's one that a lot of people talk about. And just like Psalm chapter 8, it kind of ties in with that. Um, David wrote this towards the end of his life. And I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He said this about Psalm 19. I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. 
Well, that's pretty high praise, isn't it? Uh, while we, we trust in the entirety of God's Word, C.S. Lewis said this about Psalm 19, the greatest lyric, one of the greatest lyrics in the world. We've heard a lot of good lyrics, right? We like good songs, usually um, songs that are, you know, we're growing up with, we kind of hold on to for the entirety of our life. But if you can imagine one of the greatest lyrics of all time and how God speaks to us, we really do want to dial into Psalm 19. And so the first fill in the blank is the glory, the glory found in verse 1 and 2. And verse 1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. And so in this psalm, David's not, he's not really beating around the bush. He's, just, he's directly pointing to um, God's revelation of Himself through the creation. This word here for declare in Hebrew is the word so far. And scholars had a hard time with, with this when they were trying to translate it. We don't have really a literal translation, but they came to this point where they said, we need something. So uh, the heavens declare. So the heavens are representing or accurately accounting what God says. And so you might imagine it like this. Um, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not an accountant. So um, like you, you may be going Find an accountant to help you with your taxes at the end of the year. You want to make sure that everything's in order. Well, when we wonder, how do we kind of rightly account or how do we recount who God is? Well, David says this about the heavens, about the sky. You look above you and it says that the heavens accurately declare. They, they, they say clearly who God is, right? And it says the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So there is a guy named uh, Theodoret of Cyrus, who in the early 400s, he was a, an influential guy in the Christian movement. He was a bishop of the school of Antioch. And he said this about Psalm 19, about this verse. If you observe a most highly and magnificent built building, and you admire the builder, if you see a skillful and beautiful design ship, you think of the designer. And at the sight of a painting, the painter comes to mind. Much more, to be sure, does the sight of creation lead the viewers to the Creator. So when we walk outside, when we get ready for the day, my favorite time of the day is early, early in the morning. Maybe that's not you. That's okay if you're not a morning person. But I like to I like to get up. I like to walk outside, and I like to uh, over the um, over the fields back here by the park in Elba, uh, the sun peeking up behind those fields, and and I just sit there and I go, okay, God, thank you. Thank you for showing me yet another sunrise. Because what's, what is he doing? For us as believers, he's communicating his consistency, his love, his amazingness. And so this should put us in awe. And, and just like Cyrus said this, the creation is meant to point us towards the creator. It's not just there so we can go, oh, pretty colors, right? Um, it's there so that we might say, God is awesome. And so now in verse 2, we said there's this speech that's, that's pouring forth. So it's not just a matter of us like looking and thinking like, that is great. God's actually saying something to us through it. And so in verse 2 it says, Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. And so this word here for speech, um, it actually kind of directly relates to the word used in the New Testament, the, the word word. Uh, you might find it in John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. What was, what was John talking about? He was talking about Jesus at the beginning. He was talking about, in the Greek, the word logos. And when you see that, you need to think about Jesus because he was there at the beginning, active agent in creation. And when he comes to rescue us from our sins, this is how the Bible talks about him, the word. So Jesus is being directly revealed to the world. Through this, it says, day-to-day pours out speech. 
And just like in the New Testament, the Old Testament, David is, through God, he's, he's pointing us to this fact that creation speaking, right? It's not just going, oh, these are nice things, like I enjoy the colors again. It's no, God is directly speaking to us, and he's saying, it's kind of like when you, you, know, you go to camp, right? And you, like, you take like a you know, pencil or something, and you're like etching your name on your bunk, right? Well, God does this all throughout time, all throughout creation, and, and he he, he hasn't changed the message. He's saying, I am here. He's not saying, I was here. I may never be back. And when you read this name, you're not going to know who it is. No, he's saying, I am here. And there's something active that I'm doing. Well, maybe you don't take God's word for it. Uh, maybe take the theologian Pocahontas from the wonderful Disney movie. She said this about the world, creation around us. She said, we need to sing with all the voices of the mountains. We need to paint with all the colors of the wind. Well, now we know writers and Pocahontas didn't, well, she wasn't necessarily talking about God, but what we know is this rings true for us. Once we understand who the Creator is, once we acknowledge who He is and we're walking with Him, what does the creation do? And those, those mountains, they're singing to us, right? What are the, what's the wind doing? Oh, it's colorful, right? And it, it points us straight to God. It's, he's saying, I am here. So where's his glory? Well, it's all around us, but when we look into the creation, we look into the heavens, we say, wow, God, you're amazing. And it shouldn't just terminate on, yeah, that's cool. I like rainbows. I like devil rainbows. Those are cool. Have you seen those videos? I don't know. I don't know why that's like popular, but maybe you've seen those and you go, God is amazing. Well, he puts those things there for a reason. Not for us just to go, the sun's amazing, the moon, the stars, the clouds, but God, you are amazing. And so the second fill in the blank is the Word. So we dive from uh, going of this pl- in this place to the glory uh, to the Word because as God continues to speak, He reveals Himself. He's not just saying, hey, um, I am saying something. It's really important. You need to listen. I am presently here, and I'm showing myself true. I'm holding this universe together. In verse 3, it says, There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. So how do we... <laughs> How do we know and follow God? Well, we put our faith and trust in Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross, being raised from the dead. But then we also have to recognize that he's speaking to us regularly through this word that's all around us. Now, we we may also think, well, how does God communicate to the rest of the world? He's doing the same thing. Now, while those who don't believe in God may not hear the same things, but when they look into those things, they go, there must be something. And you've talked probably with somebody before about your faith, and when you share with them, uh, this is what I believe, and, and don't you just like wonder, like all the things around you kind of point towards God, and they go, yeah, I mean, I could see that. I look at the sky and the universe, and I mean, there must be something more, right? Hopefully, it's not just terminating on itself. So we've had those conversations. Well, Romans 1 talks about this, how God is revealing himself to everyone. He's speaking to everyone, more clearly to us, but then to those who he wants to bring towards himself as well. And so in Romans 1, 18 through 23, it says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. 
But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So uh, God clearly lays this out, that Jesus, he, he creates from the very beginning. And there's going to be these things that take place throughout the world that is unrighteousness. And he says in verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them. And so throughout the world, throughout the rest of the um, universe, God makes it clear who he is. He says there is something special about the creation that's pointing people towards God. And then in verse 4, it says their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. Now, we, we all know some people go somewhere else when it gets really, really cold, right? What are those people called? Snowbirds, yeah, right? And it's cool, right? If you can be a snowbird, great, all right? So, so where do people go when they kind of get, they're like, oh, it's getting too cold, like um, I'm kind of getting weary of this. I need to get away from the cold. I need to get away from the snow. Well, those snowbirds, they go down south Florida, maybe, wherever that is, if you might do that. But here's the thing, we can't run away from God, right? And we can't look at this and go, and their voices goes out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. So where is God? Well, he's everywhere. I mean, he's holding every part of the universe together, our world, and he's displaying himself in the heavens. And he says, you can, you can try, but you can't get away. You may be able to get away from the cold, but you can't get away from me, right? You can't get away from God. And he reveals this to us clearly. We just read in the quiet time in Jonah. And so I'll read just part of that in Jonah 4, 1 through 2. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country, that, I, that it is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish? For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Now we all know Jonah was upset after he goes to the place he's supposed to go to and the people say, oh yeah, you're right, we should take God seriously. And they all repent and they turn from their ways, and Jonah was like, I knew you were good, God. I knew you were graceful. I knew you were merciful. Man, I can't believe you did that. Instead of saying, how amazing are you, God, that you did this for the people. Jonah thought he could get away, right? How did it end up? Well, he gets on a boat. You know the story. He ends up in a whale or in some sort of big fish's belly, and then he gets spit up onto dry land, okay, and then he takes God seriously, right? But he thought he could run away. And at times, we all think that, probably, but this voice in the heavens, this way that God declares himself, this word has been clear from the very beginning of time. And he says, you can't get away from it. Their words to the end of the world in them, he has set a tent for the sun. Hmm. Well, what about this desire for, for all people to be saved? Well, we read Romans 1 and we kind of go, Oh, man. So that, does that mean that like people who don't, like, is anybody going to tell them about Jesus? Well, yes, it's our responsibility to tell people. But we need to know that God does desire for all people to be saved. He wants us to use us to be a part of that. And First Timothy tells us this. And we'll look at First Timothy 2, 1 through 6. It says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead peaceful and quiet life. Godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 
For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ, Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So after we read Romans 1, we kind of understand how God is communicating. He's revealed himself, um, not just to us who have the Holy Spirit, who we have detailed information, and we have an intimate relationship with him through what Jesus has done on the cross for us. We know that God communicates to the rest of the world, and he's not like this God who, you've probably seen a child before who realizes that a magnifying glass makes that focal point. I don't know how it works. You ask Andy. He's super smart. He'd be able to tell you. So you take this uh, magnifying glass and you move it to a certain position, right, with the sun, and eventually you can start burning stuff, which is very dangerous. Oh, and now the kids are like, oh, I learned something new, right? So, so you can take that and that magnifying glass, and some kids will even like go after little insects. That's mean, right? Well, God is not like this God. Yeah, all the adults are going, I would never do that. Okay, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. God's not like this, right? He's not like standing over creation and going like, if I could just get them in the right spot, then I could really, you know, hurt them. And No, he goes, I, I want all people to be saved. And we hear Romans 1, we have to look at it in the entirety of God's word and realize that he's been saying this from the beginning of time. Look at me. Look at what I am doing. Look at what I've done for you. And that needs to be our perspective So then we'll close it out with this last thought. It's the bridegroom. So that's the last fill in the blank. The bridegroom. So here's what it says in verse 5. Because the word's spoken like this. God wants to give us a picture. David speaks this to us. He said, the word comes out like this, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. So this spoken word, this proclamation of Jesus, it's like this. Marriage, right? It's like this guy, this bridegroom who comes out strong. And it points us towards, well, the real bridegroom, Jesus. And as we look to the book of Revelation, we see like a a very clear picture of this. And it's a wonderful one, too, because as believers, we get to just think about this. Like, there'll be one day, all the believers will be sitting around the table with God. And it's called this marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's found in uh, Revelation 19, 6 through 9. So like a bridegroom, but like the greatest bridegroom, it says this in verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So this is what the church, the bride of Christ, will say at this great celebration. Hallelujah for the Lord God Almighty reigns. So like a bride on her wedding day. And you've been to probably many weddings. You were at your own. And I I think back on that now uh, because Christy and I, my beautiful bride, is uh, taking care of our little girls at home, not feeling well. But I think about that day, and, and of course, I was standing at the altar waiting for my bride to come in. And on that day, it'll be like a wedding, and we'll have this great feast, and there'll be all this celebration, right? Nobody goes to a wedding and is like, oh, this is really sad. Like, <laughs> why are we here? No, it's a celebration, right, of two people 
being joined together in holy matrimony, and Christy and I will celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary next month, so we're really excited about that. But, but what picture does God want to give us? He, he wants to give us this amazing picture that just like the bridegroom who comes out, who's confident, who's strong, who's waiting on his bride to rescue her, to make things right, he sits around the table with his bride, the perfect bridegroom, who, by the way, as you've probably experienced, this perfect bridegroom, Jesus, he doesn't do anything wrong, right? He doesn't let you down. And from time to time, we do that with our spouse. And when we gather around that table, right, there's not going to be any, anybody going, and I'm disappointed I'm here, right? Or oh, I can't believe you did that. No, Jesus is the perfect bridegroom. And David points us to that, right? Before even Jesus comes on the scene, although he's, he's already in existence, he just hasn't come in this physical manifestation, David talks about this, and he says, the word is like this, what? This bridegroom leaving his chamber like a strong man. He runs his course with joy. And we know anybody who's strong or who has run their course with joy? Yeah, we know a lot of people. I, as I was looking at running, people who run, probably most of you know uh, the individual Usain Bolt, right? It's a cool last name. It's a good last name to have your fast, right? Bolt, okay? I don't know how that happened, but it did. And so this individual, you, you may have looked it up before, but he ran the 100-meter dash in 9.58 seconds. Interestingly enough, I think it was like this last week, like a high school student beat one of his records. Um, so, you know, all these records are made to be broken. But um, I was reading into this guy, and at, at a young age, they kind of started to study these individuals who were runners and like, what well, makes them good at running? Like all this training or like you have to eat this, you have to do this type of exercise. But when they looked at this individual... Usain Bolt, they figured out through some studies on him that he actually has had scoliosis. I don't know if you knew that about, about Bolt, but he has scoliosis, and so he, uh, one of his legs is a little bit higher than the other. And so in combination between that and something called these uh, fast-twitch muscle fibers that were present at birth, along with some training and some other things, he was set up to be the fastest man in the world. And he set all these records. And so... I wonder if we, if we thought about the Word, if we thought about God like this, you know, these amazing people that we see, like somebody who runs a race well, or like it says, like a strong man runs its course with joy. The Word spoken, it's like being a witness to or hearing or receiving something amazing, something great. And when you watch those guys like on TV, right, you're just going like, that is amazing, that will never be me. And that's okay, but how do we receive? Do we receive it like the bridegroom, like a strong bridegroom, or like a runner who runs this race and he runs it well, like a guy like Bolt who's been set up to do that. And Jesus himself, from the beginning of time, he was and is perfect. He created everything. He gave us the law, the spoken word, and then he gave us himself, the revelation of himself manifested in the form of a man, the word. And what does that do for us? Well, it gives us confidence. And in verse 6, There's nothing that we find out. There's nothing that's hidden. And he says in verse 6, It's rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. And so like this sun, like this word that rises, like a bridegroom, like someone who is great at running that you watch, and you're like, that is amazing. That's how we should receive the word. And he says this word is also, well, it's like this. It's rising is from the end of the heavens. Like you watch the sunrise that comes up. And it goes, and it goes, and it goes, and it says it's circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So how does God do things? How does he display himself from the beginning to the end? 
He says, look, this is who I am. I'm displaying myself. I want you to come to know me. I want you to understand what it is to be saved because here's how I'm going to be displayed. And when you see it, you're going to be in awe. You're going to be amazed. You're going to want to be a part of that because, well, we either are or we aren't, but here's the truth. Nothing's hidden from God, right? It's not like we can like crawl under a rock and be like, oh, I never knew to notice God. I never knew he was there. But the word says, it's like this rising from the end of the heavens. It's circuit to the end of them. There's nothing hidden from its heat. Like the sun that rises, and, and we'll get kind of a picture of that today, right? Like the sun that rises, it produces heat, and in seasons, it's hotter than it is at other times, and it's hard to avoid, right? It's hard to not notice. Maybe you got the shades on, maybe you got the tinted windows, maybe you go in your house and like put all the blinds down, but you can't really get away from it, right? And the heat. It's like God's word, which is spoken to us clearly, and it's in the universe. And so as we think about this, this uh, glory of God, the word that's revealed to us very, very clearly, in this bridegroom, we have to ask ourselves the question, how, how does God speak to everyone? Well, we know that he does, and those who walk with him faithfully and have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit that speaks to us all the time and gives us that, that deep, intimate relationship with God as we grow together. In the rest of the world, we need to be praying. The Word tells us we need to be praying for all people and going, what's going to be my opportunity to remind people and say, hey, you know God, yeah, the Word that was proclaimed, this is who He is, and He is, and maybe you should just look up. And you see in the creation, you see in the heavens, and He reveals Himself like something that you would just go, that is amazing, and He keeps doing it, and there's nothing that's hidden from it. There's no one that can't look up. There's no one that can't look around, no matter who they are, where they are, and go, there's something else going on here, and it's God. And we have that responsibility to tell people. And so I wonder where you're at. Maybe, maybe you hear this and you just sort of go, yeah, that's great. I mean, I know the heavens, everything. They proclaim you know, God's glory, but how should this motivate us? Knowing that as we look at other parts of the Scripture, that God wants us to be motivated, knowing that He desires for all people to be saved, and we have this opportunity to go, hey, you know God? Yeah, I mean, He, like, he created everything. You see? I mean, just look up. Look at what's going on. I, I love um, going outside with Alana, our oldest. Um, we've had those kind of conversations about like what God does, and he does it in the creation. We were outside the other day, and we were looking up, and she goes, Dad, look up, quick. I'm thinking like, oh, no, what's, you know, what's happening? And I'm like, okay, I'm looking up. She goes, it's an elephant. I'm like, what do you mean? There's an elephant in the sky? No, look, look, there's an elephant right there. Oh, you mean the cloud. And I look at the cloud, and sure enough, it looks exactly like an elephant. I mean, you've had those days where you like you look up and you're like, "That is scary." Like, like how much you know? But you know what God did? And I told her this. I said, "You know what God did today?" As we were sitting outside, He carved in the sky, in the clouds, a perfect representation of His beauty, of His glory, of of how He's showing us to Himself. And nobody can look up and go like, "Wow, like that's really cool." Like nobody else could do that. And then it's there for a second, and then it's gone. But God reveals that to us over and over and over again. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you're in the place today where you're like, well, maybe now I believe. And you have this opportunity not to just kind of sit there and go, yeah, those things are amazing, but I'm going to keep doing my own thing. Maybe today you have the opportunity to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And what we know is it's not a hard thing. It's easy. That we would admit that we're sinners, that we believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was raised on that third day. And if we would confess with our mouth that he's the Lord of our lives, Scripture tell us that we'll be saved. So maybe you just need to step out. You need to take that opportunity of faith. Maybe if you're a believer in here and you, you've known some of these things, but it just hasn't motivated you, maybe 
think about that this week. Maybe think about this opportunity that you could have to not only know who God is personally and walk with him, but then to point somebody else to him, to go, have you looked up recently? Have you looked around you? Have you looked at the creation and said, there must be something else to this? And you get to tell them, hey, there's this psalm, Psalm 19, and it tells you about who God is and how he's revealed himself and how he's literally speaking to us through his creation. And he does it every day. The question is, do we notice it? As God speaks to everybody, and in his living creation, he, he has been doing this since the beginning of time. And so what I want to do is pray for us and just um, remind you before I do that, um, if, you, if you have the opportunity, please come um, this Wednesday, um, visit with a couple of our intern candidates. I know you'd like to get to know them a little bit, okay? I'll be this Wednesday in our fellowship area, 7.30 to 9 o'clock, okay? Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, as we think about these things, as we think about your creation, and we say, God... <clears throat> We know, and we know you communicate to us. We know we have the Holy Spirit, but what does that mean for the rest of the world? God, as we look up, as we look around, help us to be people who really believe that you desire for all people to be saved. Um, God, that we could be um, a conduit of helping others understand the creation, this glory that you've given us, this word that you've revealed to us, God. We just ask that you would help us. Um, God, as we um, look at um, who you are, um, God, like this perfect bridegroom, like this runner um, who, who runs a race, and we're just in awe of it because they run it with joy and they run it well, help us to be like that. Help us to be um, like somebody who sees that, the truth of what you revealed, that, that if we look all the way towards the end of time, not just at the beginning of what you've done, everything leading up to this point, uh, that we would see, you know, like you gave to John on the island of Patmos, that, that book of Revelation that shows us this wonderful feast, this place where we will be, that we'll have absence of pain and we'll have total peace. There'll be no difficulty. God, we all long for that, especially in times like that have been recently. We ask you to help us, help us to see the way um, you've presented the world. Help us to see things rightly, not just a cloud in the sky, um, God, but the beautiful canvas of your creation that points not just us, but the entire world to you. Um, Help us to be um, conduits of, of that word that we can communicate to others, um, how you've perfectly orchestrated everything, God, that we can say there is something more to the world around us, and it's centered on who you are and what you've done for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, have a beautiful Sunday. Try to, try to stay uh, cool out there, and um, hopefully we'll see you on Wednesday.